you for joining me for today's workshop. This is our newbies workshop on our instructor's guide as well as scheduling. So I am Sunny, I'm Sunlight's community manager and a Sunlight mom of two. And joining me today is Christy, one of your Sunlight mentors. Christy, do you want to say hello and tell us who you're homeschooling and for how long? Hello, um, I'm Christy, and this is our 14th year of homeschooling with sunlight. And this year we have an eighth grader, a 10th grader, and a senior in high school. And one of our guys is away at college. So three for us this year. Well, perfect. Thank you so much for being here. Um, my kids are 13 and eight. So I have one in elementary school and then one that started 100 this year. So I actually have examples of some of my instructor's guides right here. So if it doesn't look exactly like yours, it could be because I'm doing a different level than you. Um, but the concepts are the same. And we're going to try to give you some tips on how to use your instructor's guide and really customize them for your homeschool. So I see we have some people joining us from Canada, Alabama, Washington. Make sure if you're watching, drop those comments in the notes and tell us where you're watching from. Also ask your questions. I know, especially starting out, the instructor's guide can be a little confusing. So if you are stuck and not quite sure what's going on or how to use it, put that in the questions as well. And Christy and I will answer those for you. Um, and in case something happens and you're not able to see this or you need to go, don't worry, we will replay this video as well. So you can come back and reference it anytime. So let's jump in and talk about setting up the instructor's guide. I've got an example of one right here in my Sunlight Finder. Uh, you can have Sunlight assemble them for you. But Christy, for those who did not have theirs assembled by Sunlight, how do we typically recommend that you set it up to start your year? So whenever I put mine together, I usually um, uh, just start out by putting all of, I go by section. So there are either three or four, depending on your guide. So just take note of the different sections and maybe separate those. And then um, you can put every, your notes um, before you get started, you know, before that schedule and notes section. Really an important part, an important place to look is the table of contents at the very beginning. And I'm looking at one of the high school levels right here that it just happened to be in front of me here. Um, but it has clearly marked section one, section two, and section three. And so you can look at that. And the schedule and notes section is the part that has the um, weeks one through 36. And you'll notice the tabs on the binder. Um, you have weeks one through 36. So just simply you can, um, I usually, if I'm doing one of the lower levels and have um, history, I will have history first and then language arts and then science and my big sunlight binder. If I'm putting, you know, like weeks one through 36, I just arrange them that way. And then um, all of my section three, section four go in the notes behind those corresponding, um, you know, binder tabs. Yeah, and I think it's important. You talked about the notes at the beginning before you get to the actual uh, schedule. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we get so excited, we just want to dive right in and we overlook those. If you're new to Sunlight, I highly, highly recommend that you read those first. That's going to tell you what the little globe picture or the people picture mm -hmm. on your schedule page means or where to find things in section three and four, which I know can be a little tricky. If you are not finding something in the schedule, it's probably mentioned in one of those places. So make sure you read those notes first before you get into the schedule. We'll talk about the appendices of section three and four a little bit too to answer any questions you may have about that. Um, but let's go ahead and jump in now to the schedule. How should somebody look at those scheduling pages? And I mean, how do they use that information to figure out what they're supposed to do? <laughs> So for each day um, in the in the schedule page, I love that you have um, your week at the top, your you know week one, day one, and you just start there, and it gives you all the resources that you need. So if you look down the column, um, I wish I had an, a, a later level. I have I'm I'm going to still be with this high school one, but anyway, you can kind of get the idea. So it has the resources that you need here. So I usually go down the list here and my guys can even, you know, from an early age, they would pull these together and put them in a bin, all the books that we're going to need for the week. But for day one, 
week one. I go to day one, week one, and it tells me exactly what I'm going to be doing in this book. And so it's um, the the notes are there. I mean, or the schedule is there, and then the notes immediately follow. So day one, um, you can look down and see day one notes and match those up. And um, as you go through, look behind, and you'll find notes for every um, section on that page. You know, every resource. And it's just a few pages there. So it's not too overwhelming. And know this, that at the beginning, week one is going to have more notes than other no other weeks. So if you get overwhelmed at first, don't don't worry. And I will, you will see in all of my guides, um, I use these little sticky notes. These are my favorite um, resource, I think, for all of homeschooling. I love them, yes. And um, these are helpful to me. If I started here, you can see I was in language arts D. If I started reading the notes at the beginning of the year and I, and I just really, it's time for us to start and I didn't finish all of the notes, I use this. And I so I always have where I left off in pre-reading to get ready for a level. And then I have one of these on the week where we are in the schedule and then if there's um, I never do flipping around it's just right straight to uh, for example in the back if you have read aloud guides that are in the back um, I use one of these and I just go straight to it I might put RA on that one here I have writing and mechanics so I guess this is for language arts I I had a, a spot for like for where we were in the writing and where we were in the mechanics so um, yeah Oh, I muted myself and couldn't turn it back on. Sorry about that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so you mentioned the notes behind. I know I've got the new level D here that I'm doing with my son. If you don't have any notes on this front page, check back behind, and that's where all your notes are going to be. Um, your memory verses are actually recorded there, too, which is helpful. You can use any translation, but that is there. Um, but then questions for the books, notes to the parents, any optional assignments, like I have a lap book kit listed here as an optional assignment in case you did not order that. But if you ever see, I don't have it on this page, but if you ever see the in next to the reading assignment, that's a parent note. Make sure you look at that. Even if I have a tendency to skim over some other notes, that's going to be a book where you may be talking about a sensitive topic or um, maybe it has something to do with like the age of the earth. If you're reading a book that's taught from an old earth perspective and you prefer to teach your kids new earth or anything like that, um, we do put kind of a heads up in your notes there so that you'll know that ahead of time. And then you can choose at that point how you want to cover that book with your child. And everybody does it a little differently. Some people dive right in, others may censor things a little bit. Um, you know, it's really up to you how you wanna teach that to your child but make sure you are paying attention to that. Uh, while we're talking about that scheduling page too, Christy, like on this one, I can see I've got little globes in certain spots. Sometimes you see little people icons there. Mm -hmm. uh, so how do you use those? If somebody's not sure what that means or what to do with their little map, you know, how do you know what that is? <laughs> so the globe is a mapping point. And so um, every time you you see a little globe it's so awesome you're going to talk about um, you're going to put in context whatever you've read about that day so if you've read about a little boy in Italy you're going to find Italy on the map if you've read about a little girl in Pennsylvania then you're going to find Pennsylvania on the map so it's really awesome that they're learning geography as they go so the um, the mapping is really as we go um, I keep that um, the map that she just showed um, handy and um, so what I, the way I use it is it tells you exactly in the notes and my little guys it's a really sweet memory for me because my guys are getting older but when they were little one of them would get the letter and one of them would get the number and they'd be ready go and then they would find where it was on the map because um, you know the, it gives you the key so you can kind of see exactly where to find so then we'll look at it and we'll say okay what let's look around and see do we know any of the countries around this place and we would kind of talk about what it looked like what is it shaped like what does it look like to you what color is it and then we would go to the big markable map that we had on the wall and that big map that folds out and that's completely not marked and so we would use our um the vis-a-vis -vis wet erase markers and we would mark the place so we would say okay what color is it on this map and we try to find um, you know, the country or the state on that on that map. So that's how we did the mapping. And then the timeline is just a globe 
no, no, not a globe. That's the mapping. Um, a little person, or is it still a person? I know now it's a group of people. There's like oh. two or three people. Okay, <laughs> group of people. Or, um, and, and do they still have the a little time symbol? The time symbol is just a suggestion. So there's no, you're, you don't go looking for the for the um, sticker because it's not going to be there. It's it's the the one that has the people is the one that you can find in your timeline figures that come stapled and uh, it comes along with your guide. Um, maybe there's five or six pages of, or however many pages. Um, but anyway, we would cut those out and then stick those on um, the time, the events or the people on the timeline. And um, so that helps us, you know, with, with little ones, it's a concrete um, concept of, of being able to, time is really hard to get. They don't know whether we were around when George Washington was here and they, you get those kind of questions, but the timeline helps with that. So those little timeline symbols um, help you place things in, in time where they happened on your timeline. Perfect. Thank you. I'm getting some interference on your speaker, Christy. I don't know if you have something propped up against it or if you want to check that. It just sounds exactly on my end. Um, also, if you need more information about the timeline specifically, one of our other Sunlight Mentors, Anne, actually did a great live last week in the main section. Yeah. So make sure you check that out um, if you have more questions about the timeline specifically. Like Christy mentioned, the group of the people, those are going to be the stickers that come with your you know hbl so there's different stickers for different levels up through level j in high school it is just a little clock um and you do have the clock throughout the earlier years too and in our house we chose to just handwrite those on our timeline um you can do that you can just point where it is in the timeline it's really up to you um, but those timelines get really cool after you've done them for a few years and you start to see like, oh, we learned this in world history and this is where it fell in American history or, you know, things that were happening at the same time in different parts of the world that you may not have realized. Um, really helpful there. And then like, like you said, uh, the map point for elementary school, we do include the little map in here for um, older like high school levels. They have individual paper maps. So Hold on just a second, I'll show you. I keep the answer keys for those in this pocket for my daughter and then she marks them in her own student IG, which we'll talk about a little bit as well. Let's see, it looks like we're getting a question about where are the reader notes and why are they in both the HBL and the language arts guides? This is something that confused me too, even after doing Sunlight for a few years when I realized that yes, you're gonna get reader notes that match your HBL and that match your language arts guides. So Christy, where can people find those? Because they are not filed directly behind the schedule unless you choose to move them. Mm -hmm. Check your table of contents and you will find exactly what page they are on. But um, look in the in section three or four, depending on the guide, and you'll find your reader notes and your read aloud notes will be um, separate. And the, at different times, they those are, have been filed at different in different ways. So I'm scared to say exactly. Sometimes they're in order of occurrence, I think, and sometimes they're in alphabetical order. So just check it and and kind of look and see, and and you can kind of figure out the the. Um, there's usually a, a note in the back that lists all the readers for the year in order. It's another place where all the readers are in order that you can look at that and then kind of see um, how they're filed and and put a sticky there. That's what I do so that you'll be able to find it. Um, but yeah, they're, they are in both. And the reason they're in both is because some people order either a different language arts or they don't order language. You know, there's a different different. Um, uh, sunlighters use different um, programs. And so basically um, they are there for, um, you know, if you're doing both language arts and an H history by literature HBL, then you have, you're going to have both. So. Yeah. And that is a good point. What you said about sometimes they're filed by week. I think level D is like that where it says week one, and then you've got the questions for both your readers and your read alouds there in the back. Um, but then the high school levels, it's alphabetized by the book. So if you're trying to find it, look up the title of the book in alphabetical order, and then you will be able to find those um, questions. Now, you can leave them in the back. Christy mentioned putting a sticky there so that you can find them. 
I like to move them behind the week I'm on just so that they're easy for me to find in the correct week. Um, I don't do that at the beginning of the year. You definitely could, but I just wait until, oh, week three, I'm doing this. Let me go grab those and file them in there. Um, I noticed, Christy, you actually have some of your IGs spiral bound. I don't do that because I like to move my pages throughout the year. Right. Um, so I use a flex binder that works like a traditional three ring, but I can still hold it like a spiral binder. What are some options for people that do not want to lug this giant binder around, you know, to get themselves organized and ways to modify or maybe put it in an order that makes sense to them? There's so many options and I've tried um, probably all of them over the years, all the ones that I've heard of, I've tried them. Um, th there was one year that I took everything out and someone had this filing system that worked really well for them. That did not work for me. Maybe it had something to do with the fact that we moved that year, but that was disastrous for me, <laughs> but that's one that might work well for you. Um, I use, um, um, I've used a binder just like this. Um, see, this is a one inch, I think, binder. And so um, so this um, is one idea. And see, I just, um, this was something that was mentioned on the app yesterday of just using the, um, taking the front and putting it in. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I saw that someone's husband had made a color match, done color matching. That was so awesome. Um, but yes, this is um, one way. Um, I've also done, this is a student, the student pages. So this is just weeks one through 36. It doesn't have um, the reading. I think I did actually do a copy of the reading list and put it in the front of the, um, for, for this level. Um, but um, it, it doesn't have the sections three and four because I do move those around and I usually keep those with my books so that I have them when we're reading. So I do like I do like doing that, but I have before used a sticky in the back, maybe for the one that's coming up next or something like that. I find a place for my stickies always. But um, but yeah, this is just a, um, a very small you can see this is just for um, language arts D. And then I have a, a larger guide that is like this, that is, you know, um, much bigger, <laughs> but not, I, I, I do tend to take it out of the big, huge binder. So, yeah. Yeah. So I always tell people like start with the big binder, maybe that you get from sunlight, use it for a few weeks and then start kind of playing with, okay, I do like doing this. I don't like doing this. Um, I always keep my master binder. This is all the weeks I'm not currently on in the two bigger binders um, for each of my children. I have two different levels that I'm running. That's why I have two. Um, but that's just so that I know where everything goes when we're done and where I can find their worksheets and all of that. In my little flex binder, I have pockets and tabs. So this one has both kits, what we're currently working on. I like to do that. That way I can go to the table and say, hey, you read me this. Hey, here's your questions for history. And I kind of go back and forth between my kids like that. Mm -hmm. um, but they have pockets in the front. So this is where I put, like I said, my daughter's map keys. Um, she, being in level 100, has her own IG that's in a smaller binder, like the one Christy showed, that one-inch binder. And um, what she likes to do is have her whole quarter at once so she can kind of see how far she is. So I actually put the weekly tabs in hers with nine weeks because that's the way she likes to work. As your kids get older and more independent, definitely, you know, look at how they like to work too. But then things like language arts worksheets, science worksheets, things that I want to be able to hand to my child quickly, but I don't want getting lost. I keep those in his folder as well. So any type of worksheet thing, I know some people like to give them to their kids right away. I maybe don't trust mine enough to do that yet without getting lost or torn up. So that that's what I do. Um, so yeah, just keep an eye on your kids and you'll see as they get older and more independent, you, you will definitely change your system a little bit. Also, um, a suggestion, we just premiered our Sunlight Planner this year, which is a great way to get your brain out on paper. Uh, we do have a page there that looks just like your IG, and it can be filed in your IG as well. Christy, do you have yours handy? Mine is out in the other room where the kids are doing school, so I don't actually Look. have it in here to show you. Which page, um, do, you, which page do you want? Um, just an IG page or maybe some of those scheduling pages, uh, like the student schedule that you could 
show your child um, so that they're not touching your IG. Because especially if you plan to reuse your IGs with other kids, you may or may not want those kids in there, you know, marking or writing on your IG. Um, so yeah, so while you're looking for that, I'm going to move on to, oh, there we go. You've got it. Student <laughs> schedule page. Yes. So mm -hmm. those you can mark up and hand them to your student, or if your student's still too young to, you know, do that independently, you can plot out a plan for them for the day. That's a little bit different than them having the actual IG and that way you can fully customize it. Um, definitely check the Sunlight website for our planner. Again, three ring bounds so that you can move the pages to whatever makes the most sense for you. Um, Christy's got hers in a binder. You can get a binder from Sunlight or we have seen people start spiral binding them as well, just like the IG. So whatever you like. Um, we've got a question here from Alma. She said, overwhelmed first year homeschooler here with eighth grade twins, a first grader in a preschool, all with sunlight, all subjects packages. Knowing that we don't have to do everything on the schedule, what things can we skip without messing up our kids or missing important items? Obviously, I know anything marked optional can be omitted as optional, but how do we narrow our buffet of knowledge down for our kids and our own sanity as well, if I'm being honest? That is a great question, Alma. Christy, what would you tell her? From your I just think each day I look at what I have four children. And so over the years, what I have done is each day I've looked at what was um, what was available to us for the day. And I have written down the manageable amount that we can do. And sometimes that's just a list, uh, just a simple list of, you know, uh, what we're doing for math. I write it down. For language arts, you know, I, um, you know, maybe some of the optional things like you've mentioned. Um, I will start if you're doing a, a history, Bible, literature. Um, whenever I have um, done more than one level, like what you're doing this year, and and other years I've combined different children into different levels. And so um, what I have done is I've made a schedule for when what my time is going to include during the day and then a list of expectations for my sons, maybe even on a, on a post-it note so that they can mark off as they go what we're going to do each day. But for me, I, I do the same thing for myself. Um, maybe I'm going to read a level um, D first, and then I'm going to leave, you know, and, and I'm going to give myself however long, you know, for that. And then um, I will work my way through. Maybe we have a time that we're doing um, table time math. I think we're going to get into that in a minute. But um, I just make myself a list of what is manageable for me in that day and um, work my way through in, in that manner. Yeah, and a list is a great way to think about it. I know I look at my IG as a checklist. I don't know how well you can see. I've marked off what I've gone over with my child. And she's actually on the next week, but I still need to cover these things with her, which is why I haven't marked them off and it's still in my binder. Um, but I look at my IG as a checklist. So that might mean if we're in the middle of a great read aloud and my son is saying, what's happening next? What's happening next? I might read more than one day of that read aloud and we might skip science that day. And then the next day do two or three days worth of science. Or, you know, we might do all of our Bible readings in a day and then do history the next day. So I don't necessarily look at it as, oh, it's day one. And if I don't finish everything on day one, I'm failing. Because especially if you have two eighth graders, a first grader, and a preschooler, that is a big age gap. That's even bigger than the one I deal with. And I know that things can change depending on your day. Mm -hmm. uh, for your eighth graders, I would definitely recommend getting them as independent as possible. Um, my daughter, basically, I say, okay, get your stuff done today. We're going to meet at 3.30 and we're going to discuss it. So she knows she better have at least one math lesson done. Um, but she's doing Matthew C. So I kind of let her work at her pace. If she wants to move ahead, she can. Uh, she knows she needs to work on her memory verse um, so that that way she can at least tell me, you know, even if it's the beginning of the week, she may not know the whole thing. But I want to see that she started it. Um, same thing with language arts assignments. Have you started thinking about what you're writing about this week? You know, can you answer the questions on your history or um, your language arts or, you know, whatever you're doing? And then I let her work on her own schedule. Um, and so I think as your kids get older, 
that's especially something great to do. So Alma, with your eighth graders, I would say definitely start moving them that direction. Um, if you're a first year homeschooler, it is gonna take a little longer. My daughter's been using sunlight since she was three, so she kind of knows the routine, but um, get them doing what they can. Christy, you mentioned like telling them what the expectations are. Mm -hmm. I saw another sunlighter recently put sticky notes on the fronts of the books with read these pages today, and then that way she can pass out books to her kids that are fluent readers. Um, then I would move on to the younger kids. I always prioritize reading and teaching with my younger child because he needs more help. Um, and so preschoolers, that's a very short um, program as far as like length of time. So I would probably start with your preschooler. That way they feel they've gotten the attention, they're having fun, then they can go play and then work with the first grader. Because first grade, I really feel like kindergarten, first and second, those are your hard years because the child is learning how to do everything for the yeah. first time. And so when my youngest was that age, I definitely focused on him. And that's when I started moving my daughter more independent. Um, as far as dropping books, Christy, what is your approach to dropping things? I know we talked about kind of how to get things done, but and how do you know, should I keep this book? Should I drop it? What's really important? Yeah, for me, I'm going to say also going back to what Emma said about the, you know, the having the preschool kindergarten, I was going to say what Sunny said about starting um, with preschool, that attention, you know, having time one-on-one -on -one time with them and then moving while your older guys are working on something independent and so that you have things, uh, you're accomplishing things at the same time, you know, they're able to be working independently while you're um, having one-on-one -on -one time. And um, I would say that the preschool, I mean, um, the eighth graders working towards independence and dropping some books, yes, but before we get there, um, handing off books. Whenever I, in every book, there is a hook. There's a time in a sunlight book where we're like, oh, wow, this is good. <laughs> and that comes at different points in the book. And so if it's one that is starting slow and there's a lot of characters, I might start a book with my kids and get um, midway through the book. And if it's one I want to want, I mean, often I want to finish the book with them because I want to be reading it with them. But if I honestly need the time, then I will, when we get to that point with a struggling reader, especially when they've gotten to that point where they're going to finish this book and they're so excited about it, then I let them go on their own and independently read that book. Um, if, uh, um, does that make sense? Do you see what I'm saying, Sunny? Like where I, you know, get them to that point and then let them go. And that saves me some time where then I can go with the first grader and work with the first grader and let even read alouds become readers, you know, sometimes if I need the time, especially with what, if you're doing three levels, that's a lot. So even if one is preschool, it's still, that's still an undertaking when it's your first year of sunlight. And so that's something that I've done. As far as dropping books, that is, it's just for different reasons. Like maybe um, it depends on the level. When I got to level 100, the age of my son was such that some of the books were pretty easy for him. And there were some middle grades kind of readers mixed in. And so I eliminated some of those because he was using it for high school. You might do the opposite if you're um, on the younger side. You might look at the books and by, by level and just by content. Okay, we covered enough of, we really already read a book about him. Let's, um, I don't think we need another one. It'll be okay if we, if we miss this book. And maybe we'll put that in the, on the summer reader shelf. And if he wants to read it, he can. But I'm not going to require it. So it just, there's so many different reasons that I might... Um, cut down a list in order to give us more wiggle room in the schedule. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and I like what you said, yeah, about handing over books, even read alouds. Well, they're designed for the parent to read. If you're doing three programs, mm -hmm. you probably don't have time to read read alouds to everybody. So either choose some that you want to read to everybody, or like you said, turn those over to those older kids. I know uh, the year that COVID hit, my son was in kindergarten and struggling learning how to read. And I also have worked the whole time I've homeschooled. And so I was very, very busy at the time with work. And so that's when I started turning over some read alouds to my daughter. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't read this with you, you know, right now you're a great reader, you're mature enough, let's go ahead and have you start reading some of these. 
Um, I did some of them kind of more book club style with her where I would read them at night after she went to bed and then we would discuss after. Um, and then there were a few sh she just didn't get to. And I said, okay, it's fine. It's read aloud. We still got the history done. We got the science done. We got the language arts done. I mean, I'm really looking at, are we doing, you know, the full course subjects as long as we're doing that. I kind of look at read alouds as icing. Then for my son, um, you know, because I am still reading them aloud to him because of his age, there are times that I'm busy with other things or, oh, we've got to take one kid to this lesson or class or whatever <laughs> later in the day. And so we've run out of time. And so I do save those for the summer. Um, so we technically finished level C back in May of this year, but we were reading read alouds up through July, basically right until we started on D. So that's something you don't have to do them all at once. You can save them for later. Like I said, I'm focusing on the key academic subjects and then for things like Bible, I'll play the Bible app. So that way my kids can hear someone else reading those parent readings to them. Um, but that way I don't have to sit there and physically read them to them. Um, a lot of people use audiobooks, or they might have an older sibling read a read aloud to the younger child. I mean, Sunlight really includes so many books that they're going to get a great education, even if they're just hearing some of them. I know I went through our high school programs and compared that to the books I read in high school at a public high school, and I only read seven of the books that are included in all of Sunlight High School. So yeah. they're definitely going to get a lot that way. Um, let's talk about scheduling, though. We talked a little bit about that in, you know, with how do you fit everything in. Uh, let's see. It looks like we have Liz from Delaware commenting that she's doing two HBLs, K and B, with Language Arts B and Science B, and her kids love the read-alouds. Yes. So that is a plus to Sunlight. If your kids really love those read-alouds, you can either do them first or save them as a treat, a motivator at the end. Um, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I say, um, remember what Sunny said, too, about the little N in the box, especially for the eighth grader and up when you um, just look through and you will see um, notes about about books that and things that you may want to discuss and cover if you're not reading the book at the same time. You know, I did a lot of what Sunny said of, you know, having it on my bedside table at night and reading. And a lot of times I use sticky notes um, and I would have my sticky note and their sticky note. And especially if a reader wasn't very motivated, I have sons and they're they can be competitive. Most of uh, three of my four sons can be pretty competitive. And if my sticky note went way ahead of theirs, wow, okay, they had to catch up, you know. So um, that was something that we did as well. And so, the, but that in in the box, the note to parents in your guide, that's really helpful um, when your kids get into middle school and above. And and the reading is just such that you that sometimes you maybe all the readers you can't read or even a read aloud here and there that you decide to make a reader, you might use the notes to help you decide which books to make readers and which, oh, I think we're going to read this one together. <laughs> so that's helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Or, and the questions are helpful too for discussing some of those things after, even if you're not reading it, you don't have to read the book because you've got the questions there to kind of go over that. Um, yeah. And like you said, the parent note ones, you don't want to be surprised. I mean, sunlight covers some challenging things. And especially if your child's on the young end of whatever level they're doing, uh, they might see some of that. Um, I know my approach personally has always been to dive right in. I want my kids hearing things from me before they hear them from other people, um, but other people for various reasons choose not to do that. So just make sure that you're looking at that. Uh, let's see, Alma saying, thank you ladies, that was very helpful. Perfect, Alma, if we say something else or anybody else watching that triggers a question, definitely post that as well and we'll troubleshoot those situations with you. Let's talk about that scheduling though. I kind of touched on using the IG more as a checklist and like a day-to-day -day guide so that you don't have to stress about doing every subject every day. What are some other ways you can modify your schedule if you find something has come up or you know, you're just at a stage in life where there's no way you're getting your entire IG done in one week? <laughs> Yeah, some things that we've done, um, we've bumped a subject to Saturday when we needed to. Now, the developmental subjects like reading, writing, and math are subjects that we tended to do day to day. So 
if things got crazy, we could go back to those three things and make sure we're covering reading, writing, and math, and then fill in as we have extra time with whatever we have time for that day. So um, history, um, we've certainly done that three times a week at times, and then science two days a week. And then if we needed a Saturday to catch up on something, we've done that. Those are some of the things that we've done before. So um, certainly we have taken um, a subject and, and um, bumped it and not done every subject every day. But our main uh, thrust has been we get the reading, the writing, and the math. That's what we tend to try to do, if at all possible, every day for us. And that's a good point too. the reading, writing and math that those are things that take time and repetition to learn. I know when my son was learning to read because he struggled, it was like he forgot what every letter sounded like from day to day. So he had to read every day. If we skipped a day of reading, it was starting from scratch again. Um, so depending on where your child is or how they're learning, I think, yeah, yeah math, same thing. If you forget how to do one thing, it's going to be really hard to learn the next. Um, and so those are usually two of the first things that I have my kids do. Uh, math is something they could do fairly independently. They might need an explanation here and there, but that's something once your kids start to learn, you know, okay, here's what we're doing, hand it to them and let them do that. Uh, hi, Amanda from Kansas. That's actually my home state. So welcome. She said she just began yesterday. So you're starting out. Um, so welcome. If you have any questions, I know when you're starting out, sometimes you don't know what your questions are, but feel free to let us know. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that is something that we do too, is make sure that math and some amount of reading is done every day. We also like to do Bible first thing, um, because really that's one of the reasons that we're using sunlight. And so I think that's important every day. Um, and anything like memorization, like on their memory verse, that's easier if you do a little bit every day instead of trying to cram it all in one week. Right. Um, we also talk about couch and table subjects. That's lingo that I had never heard until sunlight. Can you explain that in case somebody sees that and they're wondering what a couch or a table subject is and, mm -hmm. and how to do those? So our history, Bible, um, and the read aloud part of our literature, and even the read aloud part of the science um, can be couch time, where we just bring a bin and we um, are on the couch and we're reading and enjoying reading with each other, okay? So that's a couch time subject. Um, the table time subjects are just where we are going to be doing writing and um, maybe the activity sheets for language arts and for science would fall in that category. Handwriting, any of those aspects of language arts, any of the, there's some optional levels in there. Spelling would fall into that category. Any of those um, fall into the table time subjects for us. Perfect. Yeah. So people like to do this a little differently. You see some people that like to start with, you know, maybe table in the morning when everybody's fresh and they do couch after. Uh, let's talk, though, about kind of the uniqueness of everybody's schedule that you don't have to. I know when I started homeschooling, I saw people were getting done by noon every day. My whole family were night owls. We we don't do anything except drink coffee and chill in the morning. Um, and so what are some ways, you mentioned doing school on Saturday. What are some yes. ways you can think outside the box and maybe modify your schedule to fit the people in your family and what they mm -hmm. need? I think one of the things that I've um, enjoyed hearing, just the diversity of, of families that use sunlight. There are people who have ministry um uh, responsibilities on Sunday and Sunday's a really busy day for them. So Monday is like their Saturday. So they might use Monday as their day to decompress and have family time. And so they may do some school on Monday, but then, you know, they work the schedule, how it works for them. Um, other people who are maybe involved in gymnastics competitions and they leave early on the weekend and they, you know, people have so many different um, ways that they accomplish homeschooling. So when, if you hear something like Sunny heard people finished by noon and felt like, ah, oh, you know, um, just realize that every family is different. I know years ago, I taught with a family overseas that did school every day, nine to one. That was their schedule. 
And that was because I was doing school with the kids and the parents were in language study. And so that's what worked for them to have enough family time in the afternoon. They took some of the sunlight read alouds that they wanted to do as a family. And so that happened. Um, but yeah, whatever works for you, there are so many different schedules. Um, I would, I would also um, say that get your students um, opinion, you know, like work together to come up with a schedule. Um, last year, we were kind of having a problem with this because one son wanted to do a certain thing and every day it was a tug of war. So we sat down and I finally said, okay, this is a problem. So let's make a schedule. Let's come to an agreement. And so they couldn't agree. And so what we did is we changed every day up. So like on Monday and Wednesday, we did the preference of one of my guys. And on Tuesday and Thursday, we did the preference of the other on the Friday. Maybe it was my preference, you know, whatever it was, but we made something that we could agree about on the schedule for what time we were going to get together and do our reading together. And then they would have their individual time to do you know, how they wanted to schedule their, their work. This is, at, this is with middle schoolers. Um, I had two middle schoolers last year who were kind of balking at the schedule. So just really, there are so many ways to do the schedule and just know that if you start out one way and it's not working well, look for ways to adjust um, day, you know, think about the days and just get creative. There's different ways that you can do accomplish the school week. Yeah, and pack your sunlight tote with your books and take it with you. If you have a doctor's appointment, if you're taking a child to a lesson, but you have the other kid or kids with you, you know, do school on the road. It doesn't have to be just in your house. That's another suggestion there. We have a question from Liz. She's using level two readers and it says, do most parents require additional daily reading? Seems like a lot of local schools require 20 minutes of reading as homework, but the level two assignment takes my son five minutes or less. So that's awesome, Liz. That was not my son. <laughs> my daughter was more like your son. Um, so that's great that he's doing well. Um, but what do you think, Christy? Should Liz ask him to read more or is that really enough? I always had extra reading if I had guys that were blazing through. Um, I let them go ahead if they were blazing through. It's especially once I had my oldest. My oldest did first grade with sunlight and we started with B. And then we move forward from there. And so I had, I had like multiple levels to choose from. And so if they finished readers early, I let them keep going. We kept on our schedule with language arts, but the readers, it was okay if they blazed ahead, I let them go. And, um, and I had extra materials for them to use as well. If, um, you know, books on subjects that they liked from the library or, um, you know, extra, if they read a, a, a book from a series in sunlight and they wanted the entire series, you know, we might get some of those. Um, maybe Christmas presents. Um, definitely we had requests from for sunlight um, sequels or prequels or whatever from um, for Christmas requests. So yeah, I, I do like the idea of them, especially if he's if he's blazing through like that at level two, you know, having you know 15, 20 minutes of the day that you know set aside to read and that can be part of your time to if he's reading independently or reading is he and I'm not sure if he's reading allowed with you or if he is um, reading independently but yeah I would I would um, I would allow that I, th I think that's a great a great practice well that was a great point what you said there Christy about some kids are reading independently some are still reading out loud to you I know we see it all the time in the app mm -hmm. or on Facebook people asking like when can I turn the readers over um, to my child to read on their own? I know um, my son is not there yet. I still don't trust that he will not mispronounce certain words or skip certain sections. So I still have him read everything out loud to me or his dad. Um, but my daughter, by the time she was becoming a very fluent reader um, and not mispronouncing things, not skipping things, that's about the time I said, okay, you can take your reader and go read it yourself. But then I was always asking her the questions in the IG just to make sure, like, did you actually understand this? I mean, Christy, what approach do you think parents should take if their child is an advanced reader? Do they need to keep listening to those books? Or when should they maybe keep listening if the child's struggling a little bit? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it is, like you said, individual for each child. I had some of my guys that said, could I just read this on my own? You know, I really want to read this on my, you know, it, it's easier for me to read it silently, but I would really make sure um, some of, uh, sometimes I would have 
um, one of my struggling readers, um, especially, I wasn't ready to let him go. And so for a while, I, I would read part of the reading with him, not all of it, because he wanted to enjoy it on his own. And I wanted him to have that time. But I still thought he needed, um, you know, uh, some pronunciation, you know, there were pronunciation issues. But I do think there are there are words that good readers mispronounce because they're good readers and they took off and read a lot of things independently. So I am still finding words that my boys do mispronounce. <laughs> and um, and I'm like, oh, that's not how you say that, you know, but um, that's good. That's just a sign that you're a smart person that read a lot of books. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah, let's see. We have a question from Janice. She said, my daughter is six years old, and this is my second year homeschooling with sunlight. I struggled a lot with writing, and she doesn't like writing, especially the writing that's in the IG. What can I do to make writing fun? What level did she say? Uh, her daughter's six, uh, but we don't know for sure if it's like language arts one. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you see this, let us know which level it is. But. <laughs> So I think language arts is um, in those early levels can be a drudgery or they can be fun. And so I think my biggest tip, first grade, okay, I think my biggest tip in those levels is to kind of, um, if you can just shift the focus a little bit from an assignment that we're going to do today for writing that's in the IG to um for me, I have four sons. And so when I made it more about us sitting down and talking about something, my guys are forever like trying to tell me something and I'm driving, and I'm trying to focus on what they're saying and they're telling me this big long story or whatever. And, and that kind of thing happens for a mom that has four kids. You know, you, you there's so much of your attention and then there's so many of the things that they want to tell you all the things. So what I made it was a time that we were going to get together once a week uh, for the creative expression part of the writing and we're going to sit we're going to have 15 20 minutes together and and we're going to talk about this topic and I want to hear whatever you have to say about this topic and so instead of making it so much about an, the assignment I would type out whatever um, it was and I would kind of give them an idea early in the week that helped so be thinking about maybe the assignment was about a trip that you've been on and that you want to tell about. So be thinking about one of the trips that we went on and something you want to tell me about that. And let's talk about that. You can tell me whatever you want to tell me about a trip that we've been on or, you know, like whatever the topic is. And then midweek, my son would sometimes say, "Ooh, I've got some good ideas for Thursday, you know, and that was sweet because he was getting ready for it. Um, sometimes he would go on and on and I'd have to say, okay, that's enough. We have to stop, you know? <laughs> um, so it just, I would frame it a little differently if you can to make it just time that you're going to spend together and talk about this event. And then they're going to tell you, you know, um, whatever it is about, you know, the, the trip that you've been on or whatever the, whatever the prompt is. And, uh, that way handling it that way, instead of saying, um, you know, you need to finish your assignment or, you know, that kind of thing. It helped us. It helps them to um, have more expression. It's more about, I had to get in my mind that it's more about the expression part. It's more about the composing part than them putting pencil to paper and writing. It's not a writing assignment. Really. It's a composing. It's teaching them to, um, at that level, first grade, kindergarten, first grade, even second grade, it's more about them being able to communicate their ideas. And so you're doing the writing part, you're typing it, and they just get to talk to mom and, and tell something creative that they thought about, you know. And if they want to tweak the assignment a little bit, I, let, I go with it. Because if they're inspired by something and, oh, can I write about this instead? And can I add animals to this? And, you know, whatever it is, I'm like, yes, you know, and then that way I got more. And my son, actually, I saw somebody in the app this week say this. Um, my guys wanted to use their um, assignments as their uh, bedtime stories. And somebody said that this week. And I love that because my guy, my son, my third born son is the one that really got into this and enjoyed all the writing assignments so much that he wanted to always, he's like, can um, I would say, which book do you want to read? Can we read mine? You know, <laughs> and he wanted to read his writing assignments for bedtime stories. So um, I think just, just if you can shift it a little bit from an assignment to let's talk about this and just, you have my undivided attention for 15, 20 minutes, however long to write this assignment. I think that I got I got further with that. I don't know if that helps or not, but that 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 helped me.
Yeah, I agree. I think especially in first grade, a lot of times the child's mental like fortitude is so much higher than their ability to actually write. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, allowing them to dictate to you as you write it down. Um, and like you set up in the second or third grade, even, you know, your student best. Um, so like my youngest is super creative. He loves any sort of make-believe story starter picture ID assignment. But if you ask him to, you know, tell you in order a recollection of something, all of a sudden, like some magical creatures in there, there's some imaginary thing that he likes to add in because that's his personality. Um, yeah. So you may find that certain kids like certain assignments better. Meanwhile, my daughter could give you a great narration full of detail. But if you told her to make up a story, she would look at you like, uh, I don't know. Um, so really, a lot of it is the way the kids are wired. But if you talk through those assignments as opposed to making them physically write them, it is a lot easier. Mm -hmm. I also I think Sunlight Language Arts does a phenomenal job of doing age appropriate activities, but you come back to them again. So if your child doesn't nail their creative expression on the second week of level A, don't worry about it. You will mm -hmm. see the types of assignments as they get older and they get progressively more challenging. Um, mm -hmm. So that by the time they are in high school, they're excellent writers. They're excellent readers. They can do all of those things. Um, I know Sheila, one of our other mentors, um, mentioned that she taught her kids to type very young because they could type better than they could handwrite. So that might be an option too. I think her kids were about second grade when they started typing. Um, so definitely kind of play around with it. But I love your idea of, yeah, discuss it maybe give them some ideas. Oh yeah, she was watching. Okay, third grade was when her kids started typing. Um, so yeah, that might be an option too, if the handwriting it out is the problem or if spelling is the problem or something like that. Um, and I just suggest the IG rubrics accordingly. So if it's saying like, are they using correct grammar, spelling, punctuation, and I'm the one writing it, I'm not going to look for that, but I might ask them, okay, do we capitalize the first letter of the sentence? Should this be a period or an exclamation point? You know, and you talk about all that type of grammatical stuff in the IG as well. Um, back to uh, Liz's question, she was asking, she was the one that asked if her son should be assigned additional reading. She said he's still reading out loud on his readers, but he doesn't like it very much. I know you mentioned the library um, and I saw huge improvements in both of my kids reading when they got to pick their own books. Um, but what are some suggestions for that if the child's doing it, but they don't really want to, they don't really enjoy it yet? Mm -hmm. I would say at that, it was at level two, right? Was that level, yeah, two? level two? readers? Yeah, there is, a, there is a little stretch in there when they are learning to read. And I know when we were going through, um, I can remember around when we were finishing up those, I can read it books. And every day, you know, uh, we were reading and it wasn't, you know, um, it was, it was a, there were all those um, skills that they needed to learn. And so we were learning to read and it was, it was, a it was work, you know, it was hard. And I would just acknowledge that and then have picture books or fun things that they're going to enjoy that speak their language, you know, on topics that they love. To, for them to get the enjoyment out of, of reading. Um, keep that going. And with your read alouds, you're doing that. Um, I would say um, one of the uh, books I, um, some of the books that I got were the, um, with one of my guys that was struggling with reading um, the, it's something in piggy. Do you know the, do you know who I'm talking about? Um, oh, I can't remember. Maybe somebody remembers the, 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 is it, it's not frog and it's frog and toad. Oh, frog and toad yeah. um, elephant and piggy. Maybe I can't remember. There's one that's called, we are in a book and it's um, these two characters and, and they're just really easy for yeah, oh, elephant, and piggy. <laughs> elephant and piggy. There we go. So it's um, those books were funny books that my guys enjoyed something that they can enjoy that can bring the fun of reading and the humor that you can get into with reading to keep that joy going when it is work in the early years. And I will say until you get um, your we're reading learning to read up to a certain point and then we're reading to learn and we're reading for the enjoyment. And so, um, but in those years, there is a little, there is a little stretch in there that I do remember being like that. And I would say for this and for writing, you know, keep um, encouraged as their teacher that when they're developing in writing or in reading, I was thinking while Sunny was talking that one of my guys 
Um, he's a biology major now. He's very much, he was a very much just the facts, ma'am, kind of writer um, at one point. And then in sixth grade, he wrote for the first time something that made me cry. And it was really until sixth grade. I mean, every other, you know, like I would look at the writing and be like, okay, I don't know. I don't know. You know, and then in sixth grade, he wrote just so expressively and he's always been able to communicate well. So it, it frustrated me that the writing part was not, uh, but he, it was very much how he was, how he was made up. You know, he, he's a biology major. He's not a creative writing, um, you know, that's not his forte, but he did. Um, it, it's just developmental. And it's the same thing with reading. I would stay encouraged when they, when it's not the, their favorite thing at the moment, um, I would keep trying things that will will just light that love of 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 reading and love of enjoyment and, and enjoyment of reading. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I thought my son would never enjoy reading because it was so hard early on. Um, but I've seen as he's been exposed to books he likes, uh, it does make a huge difference. Another thing um, that's part of our sunlight summer reading program, we have a lot of like bingo and punch cards and fun bookmarks and things like that. Um, and you can download that even though the summer reading challenge is done for this year. Um, but I know the punch card system worked really well with my son this year. Every time he read 15 books, I took him out for ice cream. And so is it bribery? Maybe a little bit, but he <laughs> loved it and he found books that he likes to read. So um, I think with sunlight, your kids eventually get to a point and even you get to a point where you love reading. My my husband was not a big fan of reading before we started Sunline. And then he's gotten involved in the read alouds with us. And now he's like, what's going to happen in that story? Or, you know, there was one we had to pass back and forth because we both kept crying and we couldn't finish the book. <laughs> and so you will find that with Sunlight and those excellent books that, you know, that love of reading develops, even if it's not there immediately. Now, I know when you start out the year, it's fresh and it's exciting, it's easy to move through. But sometimes, you know, we have people that start at all different times. And you might see like, oh, so and so is on week 20, and I'm only on week 12. You know, what, what do you do with kind of those feelings of I'm behind? Or is there such a thing as behind? You know, how do, how do you figure out that? Because I know that can be hard, especially when you're starting, you know, if you start kind of comparing yourself to other homeschoolers. I was thinking about this yesterday because there were people that were saying, oh, wow, you're already on this. We haven't started, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're just starting or, you know, that kind of thing. And I think that's very much something to keep in mind. Um, we tend to uh, new things come out, I think, in sunlight, usually around March or April. So there are people. So we kind of moved toward starting earlier in the years that we could. And then we got to the high school years and, and we really have to keep to a more of a normal schedule. We can't start July 1st like I did years ago. <laughs> um, so there are there are seasons of doing that. Um, and so just realize that everybody's in different seasons. Everybody's on different um, you know, schedules or, or requirements at their house and just, just run your race and know that you've got 36 weeks and you, when you look at a calendar, I mean, maybe in your planner, or if you just look at a, a, a school calendar and you kind of lay out your 180 days or how many you're doing at your house, then, you know, you just put your, you know, put your plan on there and then stick with it. And if you, if you feel like you're getting behind, there are times that I did neglect certain subjects to the detriment of others, you know, or, you know, maybe worked on something else to the detriment of another subject. And that was um, something that every quarter I would try to look down, you know, look, kind of take stock of where we were and um, kind of get a schedule in my mind of what I wanted to do. And if I felt like, okay, boy, we have really neglected this certain um, subject, I might move that subject to the first thing that we do every day and give that priority. And you can totally do that in homeschool. And just newsflash, when I was in the classroom, that happened as well. You know, like whenever I was teaching public school, that certainly happened. There were certain um, things that you, you know, you only have so much time that you have in the day. And so there are times that that you realize, oh, wow, we need to emphasize something else more so that just be encouraged that that happens, whether you're in your home or wherever you are. There are certainly people not finishing 
everything they planned for the year. So um, I would just say be encouraged and run your race and then and, and do though take stock and 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 you know um, if you feel like you need to you know, even have some accountability. You can ask your, I mean, I will ask my husband sometimes, I'm not getting this. I really want to do this with the boys, but we're not getting to this. And, and, you know, I want some accountability that we will get this finished. You know, I think that's okay uh, to need that encouragement. If you need that encouragement or a friend or someone that is supportive of your homeschool <laughs> that can help you um, stay encouraged and get something done that you know that you want to get done and it's just not happening. I think that, that you can get encouragement from, from someone supportive. Yeah, that's a great point too that, yeah, you don't have to do this alone, even if you're the primary homeschool teacher. I know my husband does read alouds. He does science experiments with our kids. You know, there's times that I say, oh, can you just do this really quickly? And because we have the IG it's super helpful because I can hand it to him and say, I've marked off what I've done. Do whatever you want to get done. Just do <laughs> something. So then it's less for me when I come around next. So that's my tip on that. Also, some people like to move ahead in certain subjects. I do not allow myself to do that. Like Christy mentioned, if I see I'm falling behind in an area, I like to finish one week before I move on to the next. So I do an all subjects package. That might mean I finish you know, all of the week for history on, you know, Tuesday or Wednesday, but you better believe if I haven't done any science yet, I'm coming back on Thursday and doing science or things like that. Um, and I look at my school year as I have an entire calendar year to finish whatever I set out. Some people slow down their sunlight programs too. They might do it over a year and a half or two years. So that's always an option too. You don't have to finish all 36 weeks when you originally planned to do it. <laughs> so we have talked for an hour now and I do wanna be cognizant of everybody's time, um, but if you run into any sort of scheduling issue or instructor's guide issue, please let us know, post it here in the app. All of our mentors can give you suggestions based on what they've done um, or you might get ideas from other people. I know I switch things up a little bit every single year based on ideas that I get sunlighters. So uh, make sure you post those questions. Also, the replay of this video will be available right here in the app. So maybe you didn't have an issue now, but in three months, when you find you're struggling with something we talked about, you can always come back and re-access that. So Christy, thank you so much for being here with me today. It's been a pleasure as always talking to you and, and gleaning from all of your insights with your boys. And I really appreciate you. Thank you. You too.